0: You're listening to the Action Ears podcast. I'm Tom Wallace from Newberview.com. I'm Lee from the Game Jar. I'm Jen from the Game Jar. And I'm EA Action Man. <laughs> <laughs> that was really assertive. <laughs> that was the most assertive I've ever heard. You and I'm I'm EA, I'm EA <laughs> And Man. I'm EA Action Man. <laughs> this is my favourite podcast <laughs> in the Citadel. <laughs> So we're here with Daniel, who's former SAS, and you're talking about the authenticity of Medal of Honor Warfighter. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. How did the relationship with EA start? Where, where were you brought on board?
1: Well, EA approached me, um, and I spoke to some Tier 1 operatives in, in the US at the studio. Um, I liked what they were doing. I liked the sound of what they were doing. And I decided to get involved, um, and I wanted to depict the, uh, the SAS as best I could. So I was happy to do that.
0: Are there other SAS people on the team? Other people that they've been speaking to from the SAS? No,
1: it's just myself. Um, you know, We've been working closely with uh, the US Navy SEAL guys, um, Tier 1 guys, and uh, from Del- Delta as well.
0: And are these all special forces that you've been aware of through your career? Yeah, I've,
1: I've worked with the uh, American Special Forces quite a bit. We have a strong affinity with the, with the US, obviously. And I've worked with uh, other special forces units around the world as well. But the Americans are probably the, uh, the ones I've worked with the most.
0: And the big thing about authenticity in these games will be around the guns and the guns that you can use. When you're serving and everything, with, with your gun, do you feel quite precious about it? Do you customise it yourself?
1: Yeah, you do. You, um, you, know, you, you get given a, a, a box, a pellet case, with a weapon system in it. And you configure it, um, long barrel, short barrel, optic sight, iron sight, laser, gangster grip, whatever you want on it to do that specific role or job you're going to do, no one says to you, you've got to have it like this. You just know that if you're going to be going, you know, and, and shooting at longer ranges, you need a longer barrel on. Similarly, if you're going to be doing, you know, building assault, you're going to have a short barrel on your weapon system. So, you know, it's up to you how you configure it, but um, yeah, you do get quite attached to it. Is that originally. a thing
0: that you see in Medal of Honor Warfighter as well?
1: Yeah, I, I played it the other day and I like the fact you can switch between an, an optic sight and an iron sight. Um, an optic sight, you know, as its advantages you know, for longer distances for engaging the enemy, but you lose your uh, peripheral um, awareness with, a, with an optic sight because so you're almost tunnel vision looking through that sight. But with an iron sight for closer ranges, you know, you can see what's going on around you. Um, but yeah, I mean, the EA have worked extremely hard to get the authenticity of the weapons correct because they've obviously been away and recorded um, the sounds from 9mm, 556, 7.62, 50 cal. Um, various explosions going off, and various other weapon systems firing. So they, they've really worked hard to record those sounds and then make it authentic by putting that in the game.
0: With your experience, so that something that you can tell? If they put the wrong bullet sound with the wrong gun, that you can pick that up?
1: Yeah, I, I think you can, yeah. But it, I mean, obviously, if you're in a closed space, the weapon system sounds different in a closed space as in an open space. But yeah, if you're um, on top of your game and you've been in the military, you would be able to tell if they've got it right or wrong, and i believe they've got it right.
0: Do you think you would be able to beat up Bear Grylls? <laughs> there we go. That's a yes, then. <laughs> the maps that are in the game, obviously they're based on real-world examples of places. Have you been to some of these locations, and does it? do you get the feel that they've got it right, that that's the right kind of feel?
1: Yeah, again, some of the other buildings, um, sort of built-up areas, um, the urban areas, and uh, some of the small shacks uh, out in the jungle... Um, you know, from my experience, they've done a lot of hard work and they've, they've been and visited these places. They've taken the time to make it authentic, pretty much like the weapon systems, and they've gone and done that. And um, it, it's been good to see. It is, a, uh, you know, the, the sort of atmospherics they've tried to build of the village or of that particular town. I think they've got right with the uh, the style and shape and design of the um, the buildings and the shacks.
2: For us, as we're gamers, like we play a game like Medal of Honor as, I suppose, just of a way of us chilling out. But for you, there's a it was a job, and it's a serious job. It's not like you were sort of working in a shop or something. Is it weird playing a game of what you used to do for a living like that?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's weird. It's you know, it's it's something I, I did all my all my career, and I, you can never replace the adrenaline that I felt when I was there. But playing the game, you know, at times can take you sort of back, and it's as as good as it gets. Um, you know. I suppose for the, the person at home playing the, this, this game, they want to get close to the special force operator, and particularly at the moment when the opinion of the military is high throughout the world. Um, obviously engaged in Afghanistan and previously in Iraq and, and other um, conflicts around the world, people at home want to see what what soldiers, special forces soldiers get up to. And um, But for me to answer your question, um, it is a little bit weird, I suppose, yeah. But it's... Um, but it is authentic with the you know, the sounds of the weapon systems. you know sometimes it can take you back um, to places.
2: There's a lot of thing with a lot of I suppose shooter games, they're probably not they're not the most accurate. like they don't even pretend to be Medal of honor. that's one of its it's yeah. one of its key points. Do you feel like as an operative, they've done you justice?
1: Yeah, I think they've got it right. Um, you know again, it, it's that word authentic. I've played it. I've spent you know fifteen years in the SAS, over twenty two years in the army. And I can say, I've served in the SAS, I've played the game, and to me, personally, it's as you know, it's as good as it gets. And um, I think people should take that on board and, and play the game. And if it inspires people to um, you know, to maybe go and pick up a book and read about the SAS, or go and read about other military units, and even for young people maybe to join up eventually, if that's the, the, the path in life they want to take. So I think they've got it right.
0: Have you ever met Ross Kemp, and do you think you'd be able to beat him up?
1: Um... I like the John Colshaw. is it John Coleshaw uh, clip where he was uh, he's depicted as running away? <laughs> Super army soldier. Yeah. Sorry Ross. <laughs> Close personal friend of yours.
0: Do you think having left the SAS that you've started this journey, will that continue with the A and you're going to keep involved with the Medal of Honor franchise and keep advising? And what else are you going to do? What's left after SAS?
1: Well, well the first part of your question, um, you know, I'd love to stay involved with it because it's, you know, it's a, a good representation of the special forces and particularly the SAS. Um, I will never be able to replicate what I did, um, you know, in the SAS, adrenaline-wise. You know, the camaraderie and the guys um, and some of the jobs and places I visited. You know, just the whole the regiment ethos I can't replace anywhere, and, and I'd be silly to think I could um you know i'm retired from the army now um i still do a little bit of work on the side but now i'm quite happy with what i'm doing
2: what does it you do to i suppose relax now
1: to relax um spend time with my family i um, spend a lot of time away from them i'm um, still train, still run keep myself fit you say you can get away from your family to relax like <laughs> <laughs> <Edit> that <now>. <laughs> <laughs> no i, I try to relax as best i can um but it's I think the difficult thing as well is you know you're surfing this adrenaline wave when you're in the regiment and you, you leave and you kind of well it's the same for any anybody in the military regardless of what unit you, you come from you know you're high on adrenaline you're away on operations and you, you leave and it is hard it's hard to settle into civilian life um, you know and there's um a lot of people struggle with it um, and it's it's been it's had a lot of coverage in, in the media over the last couple of years as well um, but th- I think that the soldiers and forces just need as much help as they can get um, from the public. Um, to help them settle into civilian life
0: it must be quite a physical strain as well because you go from almost 24 hours a day you're physically active and you're very fit and then if you don't have those demands on your time i guess it could be quite easily to just sit on the sofa and eat quavers all day yeah i
1: mean yeah maybe not quavers (laughs) yeah you're right you know you have to keep yourself active but you know one of those people that i have to if i don't keep training the more sleep i have the more sleep i want you know i've got to you know, go for a run every other couple of days or whatever every day, and keep yourself active. You know, otherwise, you just on a downward slope. You really are. Well, you
0: look like you could break me in two just by looking at me, Vinny Jones. Do you think you'd be able to
1: fisticuffs? Well, the last time I saw Vinny Jones, he was wearing far too much makeup and eyeliner, so you know, <laughs> tough Smush guy or not.
0: One of the focuses of multiplayer has been the the fire team. So they've paired people up, so you have one other person, and you you score extra points by working together. Is that something that is kind of taken from real life, or is that Usually it's a bigger team, that have brought it down to work better in the game.
1: Yeah, The reality of it is, in the SAS, it doesn't matter who you partnered with, you have your SOPs and they are the same. So you could go and work, with, you could go and work with, with someone in here and you'd still have that same ethos and that same understanding of each other's movement and weapon systems and anticipating what you're going to do next. So I hope that kind of answers your question, is that you know, we can slot in and work with anyone we want at um, any time. So in the SAS, you're working in pairs the whole time? You do work in pairs, yeah, but you obviously work in bigger groups as well. Um, as well. Uh, Yeah, you can work in pairs, you can work in fours, sixes. You know, we, we carry a lot of kit now. Um, gone on the days we used to work in you know, small, really small patrols, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And techn- technology's growing, we um, carry more kit, more equipment. Um, you go on a more courses to learn how to use this kit and equipment. So it's, um, it's an ever-evolving uh, thing, really. And
0: the other thing that um, Greg Goodrich, the executive producer, was talking about was the different roles that you have. So you have assault and point man or demolitions mm. and, sniper. and sniper and things like that. And do you find that that kind of pairing makes sense to you as from your SAS experience?
1: Yeah, it does. You can sort of bounce from, depending on what your particular skill is, um, you can bounce from um, position uh, to position. You might be an assaulter, you might be in charge of breaching, blowing in, you might be a sniper one day, um, you know, you... You don't just stay on that roll, you change around, and you know, it keeps you thinking, um, so you experience every little bit of that mechanics that's going on in the team.
2: Something that's always bugged me with games and films, in a game or a film, if somebody's breaching a double door, um, they'll run up to it, slap on like a charge, and then they'll just put their back to the wall, literally three feet away from the charge and blow it, mm-hmm. and it's the the door. Is that true to real life, like how you would actually breach a door?
1: It depends on the charge. If it's a big charge, um, you know, you probably want to be a bit further away from it, but you can actually smaller charge like deck cord. You can be right next to the charge when it goes off from windows and, and sort of light-framed doors. But for heavier doors, no, you, need, you want to be out of the way. You know, and if you, know, you can see the charge, it can see you. <laughs> Are there any sort of things like that that probably
2: come across in films and just sort of games in general or maybe like popular culture like TV and stuff that... Is maybe taken as gospel as what happens in real yeah, life, and you look at it and you're like, "My God, you don't do that. You wouldn't stand there." Yeah. What are your biggest bugbears
1: <laughs> in, in of the I, don't know, I suppose my my biggest bugbears are. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of people that have um, sort of come forward and spoken about the SAS, and uh, a lot of people, should we say, that haven't actually served in the SAS, have come forward and allude to the fact that they have served in the SAS, um, without going too deeply into it. Um, that's probably one of my biggest bugbear that we get you know uh, some bad press for some, for some from some wallys at times. You know that, that's one of the, the points I, I I that really gets to me. You know it's you know, the SESDA yeah, is surrounded by myth. Um, you know and, and long may it go on um, in some respects.
0: Do you think you'd be able to to go toe to toe with Batman?
1: Batman? <laughs> now you're asking. I'll give him, give, him, uh, yeah, give him a good run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> Pinch his Batmobile and drive off. You live for it. <laughs> Greg Goodrich is here. Yes, hello oh, everyone.
0: Yay. <laughs> so glad to be here. <laughs> That's a, I can cut that was like, like a flashback a in the sl- game, you see. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> <'cause>
1: we did <laughs> the end we're, first. We're, 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 we're screwing with time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: I keep doing this. It's going to
0: get worse. Dan wants it to be super serious. <laughs> but oh. we're not uh, so serious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Try and just not talk about beards for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Which what's the opposite of pogonophobe? Because pogonophobes pe- pe- are fear of beards. Pegonor- Do you have a fear of beards? No, no, no. She's pears. more of okay, a Okay, I was gonna say there's a yeah. lot of beards in this point. She's become more <laughs> pogonophetishist, kind of. A little bit, no. So fantastic is that what we're talking about let's <laughs> 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 talk about how long did this, long did this
3: take <laughs> this uh, it's so funny too because last last game I had a massive beard in the last game we we, we grew them for charity <coughs> and uh, Craig Owens and I the marketing director and uh, it got to a point where when I was traveling at the end of the press during this time last game I every airport I went into went into secondary because I looked absolutely nothing like my passport photo <laughs> but um, and then, uh, you know, this year, uh, my wife said, "Look, um, I'm just—I'll well, pay you. The, I'll pay the money. Let's just not <laughs> grow a beard this year." I Said, "Honey, I got to do something." So, I think she gave me attachment number three as long as I can go. Oh, so. Okay, she's
1: taking the rest away. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> take the rest <laughs> away. Last night I was doing some research on you,
0: Crash oh, Dorguish, oh, and boy. I found, according to the internet. You started, in 1992, you started at Next Computer? Next Computer, yeah. For Steve Jobs' company. Yes, I
3: was, uh, I worked in technical support at, at, at Next. Interesting story, it's actually how I got into the game industry. Oh, really? Um, it wasn't going to be my original uh, chosen profession, but, but circumstances ended up being that I was at Next and I was working in technical support. And uh, during that time, a lot of game developers were actually using our software to make games, um, including um, the guys at id and, uh, and Trilobite that uh, were working on the 7th Guest, And the guys at id were doing um, the original Wolf 3D, and then Doom was, was developed on, on Next Step. And so uh, I just ended up befriending a lot of uh, game developers during that time. And uh, ended up going to work for uh, for Graham Divine at, at Trilobite on the Eleventh Hour, uh, which was the sequel to the Seventh Guest. And I remember one day, um, I was literally sitting at work, and 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 they were doing some crunching on some things, and we were helping them out with software and and systems. And he said, "Hey, you, you want to come up to Oregon and 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 uh, work on the Eleventh Hour and, and be a, a game producer?" And I said. Sure, what does that do? <laughs> <It's like laughs> a, kind of what you're doing, but different and uh, and so yeah, I just kind of took the leap and packed up my my truck and and moved to Oregon for uh almost two years about a year and a half, and uh, shipped the 11th hour and then moved back to. California after that
0: I also found out about with next computer one of their computers went on and was the first web server yes with Tim Berners-Lee yes so it I was, was gonna try and claim but if you were just in tech support one of
3: the two computers actually I believe belonged to a guy named John Landwehr um, and uh, one of the first two computers connected on the web um, and I remember seeing that that computer at next but yeah it was an interesting time because uh if you look now and you you look at the some of the uh, the resumes of people in a lot of these uh tech companies that, you know, with the big tech push in Silicon Valley. A lot of them had Next on their on their resumes because during that time, um Steve had hired a number of just brilliant, brilliant people. Not me, clearly. I <laughs> I, I ended up there because my brother was working there and he got me a job there. But but he uh but they had hired a number of of, of individuals at Next and you know it was so far ahead of its of its time, and they all spun off and do different things like Netscape and then you know clearly uh, you know Apple you know, absorbed everything that was next and it became what it is now and and so it was a good time. it was it was my first job out of college and and uh, you know i was I had no business being in the positions that I ended up being in there just because. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I was excited about it. And, and like I said, my brother uh, was, uh, was already there. He worked for Steve for, for 22 years up until just recently. Oh, wow. Um, he was at Next and Pixar and Apple. and, and uh, But clearly my brother had a, had a reason for being there. He's, he's wicked smart. He, he got all the intelligence in the family for sure. So You know, tempted to try and poach
0: him and get him on a middle on again. Uh, yeah. uh, my brother, yeah, uh, he, yeah he's, he's sitting on
3: 22 years of Apple stock, so he, <laughs> yeah. he's doing okay. Yeah, he just bought a race car. What <laughs> I drive a Jeep with 198,000 miles on it. <laughs>
0: Right, let's talk about metal. <laughs> yes, War so let's fight, talk about right? metal. Honor warfighter. That, yeah. Could you tell us what we're we're here to see today and what we've been playing? Uh, right now,
3: we're we're here to see a dark <laughs> room with blue curtains and yeah. The this Harry is, Pot- the, this <laughs> is where they recorded the the voiceover work for the Harry Potter. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Not the film, the games. Oh, okay. Games. Well, yeah, but of course. That was our room. Ra- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was really sorry. Oh, really? The Weasleys were actually. in That's this right. Room. Oh, Hermione <laughs> was in this room. <laughs> yeah. Does she like beards? <laughs> That's
1: okay. There's plenty Everyone of beards in this beads. room right now.
3: Um, so what are we here to see today? Uh, we're here to see Medal of Honor Warfighter. Yeah, we showed uh, some single player. You guys got to play some hands-on uh, part of uh, Basilan in the Philippines, a, a bit of a flashback with uh, Preacher and Mother in the mission where they're part of Task Force Mako sent in to solve the problem that Abu Sayef caused when they abducted some aid workers. And in the middle of this uh, uh, mission, a high-value target shows up that no one knew was going to be there. Uh, and, and things go foobar. And, uh, and the guys from Mako need to link up with uh, the PCT, the Philippine Counterterrorism Forces, and and solve that problem. But as you saw, it's a bit of a flashback. And, and Khalifa uh, first shows his his ugly head there. And you you, you find out why he does what he does. A bit later and 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 also Sad al-din which is uh his is his boss and all, all part of this this network this global network um that is uh, responsible for um not only the procurement but the distribution of this nasty nasty explosive called petn so you get a bit of hint of that and you saw some of the cinematics um uh in madrid and mother and you saw the first uh Cinematic with Lena and, and Bella, Preacher's wife and daughter, and the sort of things they're going through and, and what, what led them there. Um, I got a little teaser here, a little teaser there, and then we jumped on to, uh, to uh, multiplayer.
0: We'll talk about the single player first. One okay. of the things that struck me was you got a sense of some of the frustrations with the Special Forces guys, the Tier 1 operators, where they clearly had the shot, and they were trying to radio through and yeah. get permission to take the shot.
3: Yeah, the, uh, well, there's a couple things going on there, uh, you know. Um, you know and, and, and one decision, one wrong decision from higher-ups or uh, a lack of decision in this case can lead to, to catastrophic events, which, which it does in the game. And it's sort of that, that, that sense of what happens when decisive action isn't taken or if it is taken and, and not done properly. And we saw a little bit of that in the last game as well. And, you know, we're focusing on the operator. We're focusing on the guys and trying to tell their story from their point of view and the types of things that they're going through. And then, you know, how how that follows on with, with the scene in, in the hospital, um, you know, with Preacher. And, and, and then showing uh, that distance between him and his wife. His years of service and his years overseas have, have, have what that's done to their relationship. And he's reached a point in his life where you know, he wants to fix things with Lena, and, you know, he's been gone 300 days out of the year. And I've said before, you know, we've been in the longest sustained fight in the history of our nation, you know, well over a decade now, and that has taken a toll on family. You know, kids have grown up not knowing who their, who their fathers are, And but, you know, Preacher's a fighter. He wants to fix it, and so he goes to Spain to, uh, to reconcile and, and try, to, try to fix his relationship with, uh, with Lena, and lo and behold, he shows up in a train station in Madrid, and then, of course, you know his two worlds collide: his work life um, and his family life intersect. And and at that moment, you know Lena gets a better understanding of why Preacher does what he does, and he, she sort of sees the evil in the world that he sees because she was almost a part of it, of this tragic event. And at that moment, Preacher also sees that. You know what he's fighting for and and maybe this distance that they had was all for naught because he almost lost everything and, and of course mother's there and he's a part of that that relationship he's part of family you know he's he's served as preachers you know mentor friend coach brother you know all in one you know he's mother hen and so there's just a closeness that brings them all together and it makes it all very real and relatable to them because again they were all all a part of it and then of course it serves as a catalyst for the rest of the game because these guys are out trying to keep this nasty shit off our shores and out of our shopping malls and train stations and airplanes and and no matter you know how vigilant they are yeah, some slips through we saw it with uh you know the shoe bomber we saw it in times square and the underwear bomber um and recently we, we saw it in the printer toner cartridges coming from yemen uh from aq of the arabian peninsula you know um, but again Again, making it, you know, these touch points, these dotted lines to things that that have happened, that are occurring and things that we're dealing with. But again, honouring the guys and showing, you know, the types of things that they're doing and the types of things they're going through to, to keep us safe. Part of that authenticity
0: that comes through in the story and so that you can get a real grip on that these are actually things that could be happening right now, that they're based on real events, um, that comes from the two Special Forces guys that you've had Writing. How's that come through in terms of the so, story? So
3: yeah, so um, originally, uh, Warfighter um, was a manuscript that they wrote while they were deployed overseas um, in a border region, um, and uh, when they were operating overseas, and and um, I was given the manuscript in two thousand and. Two thousand and six, I think it was. This story is is different. It's not the same. It's it's the best parts of that manuscript, the characters and the storylines and some of the themes and and clearly the the, the family story is is the same. Uh, events and circumstances have changed. Um, and so is that we've, drawn
0: directly from that? It's not just an operational story that you get from them. It's the
3: the family side of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Got. They um you know the the they talk about it. Uh, when they first started the process, it was just this little red mead spiral notebook that they had, that they had carried with them in their in their go-bag, you know, in many different deployments and uh, many different uh, operations. And they used it. It was called the vent book. And they wanted to keep the negativity out of the room. Because uh, when you're pulled up in, in a ready room or a safe house or wherever you are in the world and... Uh, with a bunch of other guys, operators, you want to—you don't want to be negative. You, so you want to—you want to keep the negativity out of the room. So they had this little book that every time uh, something pissed them off or they got frustrated, they'd open this book and just write it down. So the story you've got is um, just really angry <laughs> <laughs> originally. And then, but then that's how it started, and then it became—then uh, it became like this creative outlet for them just to write, uh, write different things and characters, and and then they turned it around and started about writing family. about about things that inspired them and why they fight and the best traits of individuals that they worked with and they just became this creative process and then then it became this story and then this story became a manuscript and this manuscript then became a game. It's changed quite a bit. The original, I will admit, the original uh, manuscript was was very very aggressive and it pulled no punches and it had a lot of teeth and we took a lot of that and we combined that with, with everything that Medal of Honor stands for and the core tenets. And now remember, I, we were sitting on this manuscript for even the last game that we, we did. And so uh, we actually took um, a few of the characters from that manuscript and plopped them down in AFO Neptune. You know, Voodoo, Mother, and Preacher are all from that manuscript. Uh, and then we had a few more characters and, and we followed them along. And And this game, Warfighter, is a follow-on to the 2010 game um, and it follows the same guys, the same community, the special operations community. Neptune is now Mako and, and Rabbit has been uh, replaced with Stump, a new character. And that game sort of, it did had an ending, but it, it kind of left an open piece with that scene in, in the tea house at the end yeah. in, in, in Pakistan, and uh, that scene actually plays out. Uh, in Pakistan, you actually get up from the table and follow the figure in this game. Is that
0: like
2: the start of this one?
3: Uh, not the start. It, no. it occurs somewhere in the game. <laughs> uh, it's not the very start. So yeah. does
0: that mean the narrative's kind of cross over so that it's not exactly butted onto the end of the last game you've got? Yeah, I so think. it's
3: we mess with time a little bit. There's there's some flashbacks. You know, we did that a little bit in the last game too. That um, We did a little bit more in this game. Again, just keeping an interesting mix, because you know, we're, we're, we're taking a much more global look at things. You know, we're in the Philippines, we're in Somalia, we're in Bosnia, and some other places, obviously. If you've been paying attention to the trailers, uh, we hint at some other places. You know, and I think about a week's time from now, a week and a half, we're actually unveiling something pretty exciting as well. You can well. unveil it now. It's fine. I wish I could. <laughs> um, I've been, I, we've been sitting... I, I'm surprised we've been able to keep this secret as long as we have. You can unveil it now and we'll um, release this. Like of the podcast. We, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really Friggin' cool, and it's something that that we've never done before in a, in a Medal of Honor game, and you don't see done in shooters often. But uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, You've got excited. me wanting to know now. I know. <laughs> That's
2: <laughs> oh, it. Start recording.
0: <laughs> Another thing that really impressed me was the improved visuals in the cutscenes. It seems that there's been a lot more focus this time around on the, yep. the cutscenes.
2: Yeah. The wife is. It's not very often I'll get that attached to a p- computer
3: game character that quick, with the yeah. exception of probably the companion cube in Portal. <laughs> 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 Sandra Lurga is the actress. She's a, a beautiful woman. And that performance that she did was just spectacular. We have a uh, number of different ways we're telling the story. You know, from the in-game cinematics that you saw with the foobar scene, with the, the, the overwatch position and, and uh, Abu Saif And then we have the family story that sits outside of the game plot. And we, when we sat down and we t- first talked about it, we said, hey, look, you know, we have to make this extraordinary because we're already risking trying to tell this type of story to the shooter audience, you know, about family and divorce and separation and sacrifice. And uh, we knew that we had to deliver something that was emotional and engaging, and you can't do that with flapping mouths and quote-unquote video gamey type characters. And so we linked up with uh, a company called Digital Domain. Everyone knows, actually, probably knows Digital Domain. Uh, And they built the cinematics for us. Their studio is literally two stoplights away from Danger Close. And and we uh, did full performance capture, full staging and sets. And and we shot it just as you would shoot Benjamin Button, which they also did. Uh, You know, they did Titanic, they did Tron. They've won a number of Academy Awards for their work. And so we spent the effort and the time... To deliver this part of our story with them. Let's talk about
0: multiplayer. We got hands-on with Hotpoint earlier on. Hotspot. Hotspot. Hot oh, damn it! Say again. It's because it was uh, you got home run, and everything it's because your it's, iPad yeah, just turned off, and it, you don't have your notes. I've got it right in front of me, <laughs> hotspot there. What does hot it like, say? Look at that. Multi Hotspot, Saravaco Stadium. I've got everything I need there. Uh, but you I really failed. screwed that one up. <laughs> 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 I'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so we got, to, we got to play Hotspot. Should we actually just change the name of it so you turn up being correct? Yeah, if All you right, could. Let, me, let me send an email. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. now called Hotpoint. Thanks. Hot Point. <laughs> <laughs> Tom says. Um,
0: there's a big focus on the fire teams and working with your buddy. How did that come about from the last Medal of Honor and looking at other multiplayer games? Why did you decide to go this way?
3: Yeah, fire teams. Um, so that was a result of, of uh, again, we're just trying to, to find our own way, find our own spot in this genre, right? If if Battlefield focuses on the team play and platoons and and that sense of of everything that comes with mechanized war and jets and tanks and and the ground pounders of infantry, and you know, Call of Duty focuses more of the you know kind of the solo me versus the world type of gameplay. Um, at its core. We wanted to sort of find the middle ground and focus on cooperative multiplayer. We've all found that it's very easy to find one other person to play with and team up with and and communicate and move and and shoot and 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 really be a a cooperative team and so fire teams was the result of that. Um, That combined with the the international aspect of of multinational tier one you know the twelve different units from ten different nations and the six different classes, it it really uh, sort of lent itself to to teamwork and uh, that sense of having a battle buddy, especially when you start throwing in the different classes. And it's been real rewarding for us to watch gamers first at E3 play it, and then GamesCon, and we just showed it in in Spain and Denmark, and and then here today watching people uh, figure out what the best class mix is, you know, and and what the fire team combination is for their play style and the and that map and. We talked about this actually at gamescon it's been really really cool and it changes you know just when people think that they've got the perfect combination to to win a match along comes somebody else with a different combination and different fire team and but it's it's been it's been a lot of fun I found myself switching quite a lot mid match depending on where
2: the point was that you hmm. had to get to because the hotspot hotspot moves basically around the yeah. map at sort of random and then like there's some that are quite out in the open so like I'd be getting absolutely slaughtered trying to yeah. have, like play as a sniper or something. So I was like, right, I'll just go. Instead. And the demo guy put yeah. the
3: shield down and stand next to the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and that's, here's the thing that that's completely plausible and authentic because in the units, these communities, everyone has a role to fill. Uh, you know, whether it's it's a breacher to breach a door, whether it's a sniper to provide Overwatch or intel, um, or whether it's a point man to you know expose himself and be you know the first person in the room. And that, that's a very real thing that these guys do. And these roles are filled in, in these units. And so it's cool that you say that at different times during an engagement, a different role becomes more prominent and more important. And that's completely plausible in any operation. Uh, recce guys are extremely important you know, to get intelligence and, and get the lay of the land prior to sending in an assault force before an assaulter can go... Into a room, you got to you know, rely on the on the demo guy to come breach the door and set the charge, uh, and then once you're in the. In the room you know then then it's the assaulters term to to clear the room and so it's completely plausible and it's cool that that you're seeing that and and that's exactly what we set out to do one of the things that i couldn't quite work out what it was that was getting me the points it's how you're performing on the battlefield and there's there's a lot of different things is that from when you're working just with your friend is that where they're coming from um, so yeah so it's it's a number of different things and again it's it's your skill with a gun (laughs) and the types of things you're and it changes depending on what what you know mode you're in there's there's 35 different map mode combinations uh, in in the game, and you know again it's how you perform not only uh, on your kills but how you're performing as a teammate and you know whether you're setting charges or getting revenge kills or or, or you stay out of combat to allow your, your buddy to respond respawn on, on your six. It's rewarding players not only for their own personal skill but how they how they apply that uh, as a, as a team member. What you didn't see today is, and what we've talked a little bit about is the metagame. As you uh, perform actions on the battlefield, you win matches and you'll, you'll, you'll essentially earn tokens, if you will, that then can then be spent in battle log in our metagame where 193 nations are represented. And so uh, if your nation isn't isn't part of that 10 that, that were chosen, 193 United Nations are included in, in the metagame. And so if you want to fight for Brazil or Italy or Spain or France or Jordan or... Any of the other United Nations, uh, you can you can do that in the metagame, and, and all three platforms are combined, working together in that metagame. So PC, uh, Xbox, and PlayStation will all will all be a part of that international uh, global fight. Is that system going to be weighted by population? Because that seems
0: like uh, <laughs> 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 so you're thinking, you're thinking uh, <laughs> Chad or Madagascar. <laughs> might not, uh,
3: they might not get help. But there. here's the thing: so even if you're sitting in in Southern California or Cologne, Germany. You can put those points to whatever nation you want. Um, it doesn't check your IP or only allow you to uh, put points on, on the same as your passport. It'll be interesting to see how. So,
0: who are you going to be fighting for? Are you encouraging people to come and fight with you Chad? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> <laughs> in Chad? <laughs> in Chad. In Chad. Right. <laughs> How long have we got left? We've, We've got we four more hours. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is the world's longest. This is a marathon <laughs> podcast. <laughs> You've said there's 35 game modes across the, the game mode. Map 35 combinations. Map, Yeah, mode combinations. So in the yeah. trailer it said there are eight maps. Does that mean that because 35, unless I'm bad at math, is not? Don't look at me. I can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did I, I just say over 35? I think you said 35. I think I said over 35. Th- yeah, so oh, let's, not, are there let's some, not get into semantics are there some here in Some specifics? modes of you've decided not to put on certain maps because it didn't make sense. Or? Yeah, you know,
3: it's. Well, as you saw in, in the Serevo Stadium, you've seen that now. You've seen uh, it in Home Run, and you've seen it in Hotspot. Um, and so, uh, again, it's a different part of the map, and it's, it's tailored for that type of game play. You know, Sector Control is, is very different um, than Deathmatch. And. Um, I don't even remember now. We're so close if we've talked about the last mode or not. Uh, you have. Have one. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free. Yeah, and I'll name it now. <laughs> it's called Tom's mode. Tom's mode, yeah. <laughs> Hotpoint mode. Hot point, yeah, it's a new mode called Hotpoint. It's exactly like the other one just with a different name. <laughs> Fantastic, and it's only available for me <laughs> if you're playing for Chad.
2: <laughs> with, uh, with like all of the different nationalities, does it, do you guys ever get like tempted to sort of give them racial traits?
3: So funny you ask that. I mean, <laughs> it's I a strange about question. It. We did originally, um, but it became a nightmare to to balance. You know, just and the reason we it's nothing new, right? So we we stole it from World of Warcraft, right? So an orc has five percent more damage when he swings an axe. So right? which nationality are you um, saying are the orcs? <laughs> the orcs, the grom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so we we set out originally we were going to do that. Um, and uh, we had racial abilities for, for um, and it started out pretty funny, too, because, we, you know, we have a lot of Swedes in the building, and so we had the, I'm not going to tell you exactly what, what ability we Did gave Did they us. have to, like, <laughs> <load, laughs> un- unpack
2: tripods and build robots? <laughs> then the Allen key breaks. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but so, yeah, originally we were going to we gonna do that, and we currently have 72 different operators in the game, and so it just became a nightmare to balance every one of those
2: two discs to put
3: them on yeah exactly (laughs) so now the the differentiation becomes between the classes and and then when it comes to nationalities it it more has to do with the um, uh, weapon systems attachments what weapons you unlock what what camouflage you unlock and the battle chatter and and all the other stuff that comes along with the different nationalities.
0: So, Greg, thank you very much for coming and chatting to us. Thank really you for having it. me
3: in the Harry Potter room. <laughs> yeah. and Medal of Honor Warfighter is
0: available on the Xbox 360, PC, and PlayStation. PlayStation 3, and um, on and Game Boy op- and Game Boy Advance. And Game Boy Advance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in direct port wow. <laughs> on October 26. Is that <laughs> <elite Nice>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the lead platform? <laughs> <laughs>
3: If you turn off that microphone, I'll tell you a funny story.